Hello and welcome to another episode of the CG Business Advisor, brought to you by CG Tax Audit and Advisory. Thank you so much for tuning in. And as a reminder, if you haven't done so already, be sure to subscribe or follow the podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. Let's talk about starting a business. Uh, I know we've done episodes before about startups, but when you are in the early stage of a company, what are the steps needed to progress along the way? How do you go from having an idea What is going to be my business? What is my product? What am I going to do to establish this thing? How do we go from one point to the next point? And how do we bridge those gaps in between? Joining us to talk about this is Nick Yarnell, the Associate Manager for Client Development at Ben Franklin Technology Partners of Northeastern Pennsylvania. Nick supports and manages BFTP's Solutions Network across 21 counties in Pennsylvania, providing a wide range of early stage companies and established manufacturers with essential consulting, service providers, and other growth opportunities. Nick, thank you so much for joining us here on the CG Business Advisor. I appreciate you uh, inviting me on the podcast. So tell me more about your background, Nick. Do you have any companies that you've started? What's your experience like with startups? I've got a lot of experience working with startup companies, both, you know, running them myself and, uh, you know, providing consulting experience um, to, you know, early stage founders, uh, you know, whether they're in those, that initial bucket, you know, just coming up with an idea, testing out the market um, or, you know, a startup company looking at potential commercialization of, you know, that product or service. Um, you know, I myself do a lot of work with established or, or not established, but early stage companies as, as a consultant um, with Temple University's SBDC, um, you know, aside from the work that I do with Ben Franklin. And I also provide, um, you know, design and, and early stage manufacturing prototyping uh, for early stage companies and uh, established manufacturers as well. Do you have any companies that you've started? Yeah, I have uh, launched um, essentially four different companies now. So I've got uh, my first one. Um, I launched as a, uh, a junior in college. Um, it was emergency 3D printing for disaster relief. Uh, so we would essentially go out to disaster stricken areas like Puerto Rico, Guatemala. Um, and at the time we were partnered up with an organization called the Relief Foundation. Uh, so we had a team of you know, 50 to 60 volunteers go out to those areas, assess the situation, um, you know, and figure out how we can provide relief in any way. Um, but, you know, my key component of that 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 business, um, emergency 3D printing for disaster relief, was to figure out, you know, what pieces of technology were ruined in these, uh, you know, infrastructure decimated areas that I could replace on site provide relief immediately via 3d printing so to give you an example of that that would be let's say i own a grocery store my generator shot but you know because it's like a 40 50 year old generator um you know the part the replacement parts aren't being manufactured anymore so i would come in design that part on the spot and 3d print it needless to say there was a huge uh uh it, it was a logistical nightmare trying to uh, transport 3D printers hmm. 
overseas. Um, so, you know, in my time as, as, as a startup founder, I've come away with a lot of failures, but, uh, you know, obviously some great learning experiences um, you know, that make me um, a little bit more valuable to, you know, these, these early stage companies who are, are kind of in the same shoes that, that I once was. Um, so, you know, I took what, what I learned with, with that organization, um, started my second company, which is, uh, Potestium. And, um, that company provides crowd management tools, uh, using artificial intelligence by tapping into existing surveillance cameras, uh, at ski resorts and any number of, uh, outside event spaces. Um, with the the entire goal of, of mitigating bottlenecks and um, congestion points with crowds uh, to make that resort or you know event space run a little bit more more efficient. Um, you know, now, long story short, with that one, we launched about two three months before the pandemic hit. Um, so <laughs> there are certain things that you know founders cannot plan for. Um, but can certainly, you know, do their best to kind of uh, mitigate and, you know, learn to be flexible around. And, and, and the pandemic was was one of those oddballs that, that was thrown at me. So so we quickly, you know, pivoted our organization to, you know, providing PPE detection, um, occupancy counting within within a space via, you know, artificial intelligence and existing CCTV cameras. Um, and... Um, and one of the things that I'm doing right now that's that's really taken off is is the 3D printing aspect of things. Um, so you know, aside from the consulting work, I'm I'm also providing uh, prototyping um, via 3D printing for early stage companies. Um, and I've also got a, a company myself um, called BellsRetro.com, um, where I've launched a couple products in the um, retro gaming space, uh, all accessory based. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, just to quickly go over the few different things that I've, I've done and have been a part of. Well, we can spend hours talking about that retro gaming space if you'd like. <laughs> I'd be happy to send you some stuff. I might have to take you up on that. Uh, so let's talk about an early stage company. What would you classify as the early stages? It's a good question, Scott. Um, you know, really early stage companies, in my mind, kind of tend to fall into two different buckets, right? You got, you know, your your first time founders who are, you know, kind of toying with an idea in their head. Um, you know, they may have done some due diligence to, you know, look for um, you know, possible other products or services in the market that, you know, already exists, um, could be potential competitors. And then, you know, obviously you've got, um, you know the, the the startups, the early stage companies who are a little bit further along. You know they're they're not in that idea phase anymore. They're they're looking at commercialization of uh, you know said product or or service. And 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 in my mind, that's 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 really what uh, you know investors, uh, venture capital firms, angel investors um, are all looking for. Um, and and traction is the biggest key differentiator between those two buckets of early stage companies. So what elements does a startup company need in order to move from the initial concept phase to becoming a successful, sustainable business? Really, it's it's um, 
you know, b b between those two buckets I had just described, uh, you know, in one hand, you've got somebody with a lot of assumptions. And then on the other hand, somebody who's looking at commercialization, they're on the verge of launching a product, right? So in order to do that, they need to have all of their assumptions validated. So customer discovery needs to be in the bag. Um, product market fit needs to be, you know, um, kind of all of those T's need to be crossed and all the I's need to be dotted. Um, you know, the, the due diligence on that founder's part needs to be done or else, you know, investors cannot take those companies seriously. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of like, you know, what, why would I invest my time in you if you haven't invested your time in the company and your belief in this product or service? Mm. So how do you fill the gaps that exist in those early stages? Well, it's all about, you know, I, identifying kind of where your expertise lies um, and kind of where it ends. I mean, you know, in my experience running my own companies, um, you know, I, I was never a, a, a software developer, but, you know, I was at least able to pick up, you know, a couple skills, utilize YouTube as much as possible to, um, you know, learn a couple of tips and tricks um, to get my idea of a product to a stage where I thought it was ready enough to pass it off to a software developer. So, you know, in the same way that, you know, not everyone's an expert in intellectual property, but you can sure as hell, you know, search the USPTO database and see what patents or trademarks are out there um, to see if, you know, you have the green light into that market or not. Um, so, you know, for me, filling those gaps means, you know, doing as much as possible to, you know, ensure that, that you as a startup owner, you know, a founder, um, you know, you're able to kind of put in your own work. Um, and then at a certain point, you know, you're able to kind of pass that off to, you know, outside service providers who can take it to the next step. So let's talk about that next step. Where do investors come in? What's the process of reaching out to an investor? And let's bridge this gap here. You know, really for, you know, those, those conversations to start taking place, um, you know, you, you kind of really need to have one of two things, right? You need to have some form of traction, you know, um, and, and this is where kind of the two spectrums of, uh, you know, startups start to diverge. Um, you know, life sciences based companies, their form of traction is going to be, uh, you know, research, um, you know, uh, testing, um, whereas somebody with a, a business to consumer product, um, their version of traction is most likely going to be sales. Uh, so those are the two key differentiators between you know, what an investor will look for in terms of industry. Um, but uh, yeah, as, as long as that startup is able to kind of portray traction in some shape or form or put forth a, you know, a, a foolproof strategic plan for commercialization. So, you know, a um, uh, six to eight month long, you know, ramp up time or, or not ramp up time, but, uh, you know, sort of go to market strategy, so to speak, um, you know, with all the key players lined out, uh, letters of interest signed. So meaning they don't quite have the sales yet, but they do have, 
you know, interest uh, from their first customers, you know, the first movers for that market. Um, to me, those are the things that investors will look out for. And, um, you know, if, if you are to engage in those conversations right now, as an early stage company, without those two things, it's, it's going to be very difficult for them to move forward, you know, in that, uh, you know, investment conversation. Is there a certain skill set that can take you to that next level or at least help you guide your business in the right direction? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, you know, uh, I always like to talk about the the entrepreneurial ecosystem. Um, you know, when you know, you're a first time founder, learning the bits and pieces in that ecosystem, you know, the resources that are out, out there could be a little bit daunting. You know, you don't know where to go, who to talk to, what questions to ask. Um, but if there's one, you know, key organization that I like to point people towards, it's the Small Business Development Center. Um, you know, really, at, at no matter what stage your company is at, if you're, if you're just coming up with an idea or you've been in business for, you know, 10, 15 years and, and, and are really starting to look at, at funding, um, the SBDCs uh, will be able to you know, offer you free consulting, um, see where you're, you're at in uh, you know, a particular stage in development and give you advice as to how to, um, you know, bridge the gap between, you know, being a company with no traction, uh, no assumptions validated, and, you know, having those initial conversations with, with investors and then, you know, closing your first uh, seed round of capital. What about outsourcing? What's the benefits of that? And, and where do you look to get started? Good question. Um, you know, there's, there's definitely trade-offs to outsourcing. Um, you know, if, if, if you're a founder with, uh, you know, a computer science background, investors in particular are going to look at the impact you've had on your company from a computer science back, uh, you know, front. Um, now that being said, if you don't have the background, then they're going to look for how you're kind of filling those voids. Um, so, you know, as I mentioned previously, you know, you have to recognize where, how far your skills will take you, you know, what you're an expert in, what you've kind of dabbled in, um, you know, uh, and, and be able to kind of fill those gaps as needed. So as we talk about, you know, outsourcing opportunities, um, you know, it's best to do as much as you can by yourself first. So in the financial realm, you know, just get started with something. Um, you know, people like to hate on Excel spreadsheets, but if that's all you have access to, by all means, do it until you can't take it anymore. Next step, QuickBooks. Okay, how do I get that started? QuickBooks offers training. Um, you know, they offer uh, you know free services to kind of get you started. Um, and then say that's not enough. Then you can start, you know, going outside and 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 talking to, you know, uh, financial and um, uh, accounting groups that that can kind of help you and you know through the paces, uh, provide a, a little bit more of an analytical view towards towards your finances. But you know, the same can be said about you know every aspect of your business. Um, you know, coming from a startup standpoint, you want to do as much as you can for yourself without putting money out. Right. You no, know, outsourcing is 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 a valuable thing in certain scenarios. 
Um, but you don't want to go full steam ahead, investing in developers, investing in, in a marketing team, um, you know, hiring people if you're not willing to put the work in yourself first. Yeah, makes sense. So tell me about Ben Franklin Technology Partners of Northeastern Pennsylvania and all the services you provide to early stage companies. Yeah, so it's interesting. Um, you know, Ben Franklin Technology Partners of, of Northeastern PA, we are basically one of four Ben Franklins. Uh, there is one in Philadelphia. We're the one based out of the Lehigh Valley. Um, there's another one in Penn State and the last one's in Pittsburgh. Um, you know, we're all, we're all kind of, we all kind of fall underneath the, the same umbrella, if you will. Um, but the way we run things is, is a little bit different. Um, we are all, you know, state funded organizations. And because of that, we're kind of tied to our own territories. So I work for Ben Franklin Technology Partners of Northeastern PA. So that means is we're kind of tied to the 21 counties that we serve in Northeastern PA. So, you know, if you're a startup company within one of our regions, we can definitely help you, um, you know, whether that's through investments or, you know, connecting you with somebody in our solutions network, which is my primary role, um, or, you know, any number of the grants that, that we have available as well. Um, so aside from working with early stage companies, um, we also work with established manufacturers. Um, and our primary goal um, at Northeastern PA, PA's Ben Franklin is to, you know, provide jobs and sustain jobs. So we do that through investing in innovative technologies, um, whether that be with early stage companies or, you know, established manufacturers. Oh, interesting. Where can people go to learn more, get in touch with you guys? Uh, so anyone who's interested in learning more about Ben Franklin, they can go to nep.benfranklin.org. Um, you'll be able to see essentially all the companies we work with, you know, the people that we've invested with uh, in our portfolio. Um, and you can also learn about our incubator um, up at uh, up in the Lehigh Valley in Bethlehem. Um, right on top of the mountain, we have Ben Franklin Tech Ventures as part of our uh, 160,000 square foot building. Um, within that, we've got 35 companies working out of that location. Um, Organization-wide, we've got um, probably over 180 companies in our portfolio now. Um, and, you know, as I previously mentioned, one of the great things that is unique to Ben Franklin Northeastern PA is our solutions network. So internally, we have uh, kind of like a golden Rolodex of consultants, mentors, service providers, um, university contacts, vendors and suppliers that you know, anytime we come into contact with a company we're vetting for investment or, you know, um, working with an existing client who needs, you know, specialized expertise in a certain area um, or, you know, a service to work with, uh, you know, they would tap into that network of, you know, over 500 individuals um, who are pre-vetted and can gain access to, to what they need at, at that certain stage in development. So it's, it's really neat. It's really neat. And um, if anyone wanted to get into contact with me, you can reach me at nyarnell at nep.benfranklin.org. That's N-Y-A-R-N-A-L-L at N-E-P.B-E-N-F-R-A-N-K-L-I-N.org. That's great. Such a great service that you guys provide. And thank you so much, Nick, for all the information and your time. 
Yeah. Thank you, Scott. Appreciate it. Thank you so much for joining us for this episode of the CG Business Advisor brought to you by CG Tax Audit and Advisory. For more information, you can head to cgteam.com. Be sure to subscribe and follow the podcast wherever you get your podcasts from. And we'll talk to you next time right here on the CG Business Advisor.